In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, O God, for this day. We ask for your guidance and your blessing in all things. Open our minds and hearts to you and help us to understand your words and to apply it in our lives. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Good evening, everybody. Um, God willing, today we're going to continue studying in the book of Genesis. Last time we uh, finished uh, chapters 27 and 28. Uh, chapter 27 was focusing on uh, Isaac blessing Jacob and Jacob deceiving his brother to take the blessing instead of him. Um, and then the conflict that happened between the two of them. And then in chapter 28, we read about how Jacob escapes from Esau um, to the place where his family lives, which is in Haran, to see his uncle, um, who is Rebecca's brother, his mom's brother, um, uh, to escape from Esau because of Esau's anger, uh, because Jacob took the, 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 the blessing of his father from him before he died. Um, and we read also about how on this journey uh, that Jacob has from uh, Canaan to Haran, that he has this dream about Jacob's ladder, and we spoke about the symbolism of the ladder. Um, God willing, today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 29, uh, which is when Jacob arrives in Haran and he meets with Rachel, who is to be uh, his wife. Okay. <clears throat> so we, we read um, in verse one. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. Okay, so this is speaking about the, the land of the people of the east is uh, his, his, his people, his family in Haran. Uh, and he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Um, so here we see another well. If you remember when we were talking about the wells and that the, how the wells have a spiritual meaning, um, when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife for his son Isaac, he met Rebekah by a well, okay? Um, and Isaac is a symbol of Christ, meeting his wife by the well, and the well represents a baptism. So um, it, it represents kind of like the church or, you know, us being wed to the bridegroom. So in this case, uh, Rebekah and Isaac, in the first case where we saw this, um, meeting each other at the well of baptism. So like the, our relationship with God begins in the sacrament of baptism, okay? Um, here we see a very similar thing, okay? Where in this case, Jacob is the one who uh, represents Christ, and he is meeting the person who is to be his wife, Rachel, by the well, okay? So Rachel represents the church, who is the bride of Christ, betrothed to the bridegroom, again, through baptism. Um, the, the church fathers speak about how, in this case, the well is closed, because it says a large stone was on the well's mouth. So it's like the the in the Old Testament, uh, the well is closed. Baptism is closed because the, the way for us to have the relationship with Christ as we have in the New Testament is, is closed off to us. But Jacob is the one who is going to come and he is going to uh, open the well, just as Christ opened the waters of baptism for us to allow us to be betrothed to him and to become his bride. Okay, so... This is uh, another encounter uh, that is symbolic of Christ and the church, similar to Isaac and Rebecca. Here again, Jacob and Rachel. 
Now all the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter, Rachel, is coming with the sheep. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled a stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So we see here, uh, J uh, Jacob is the one who opens the well. Um, the the uh, idea that Jacob is um, speaking while, with the shepherds while the well is still closed, um, this is representing that God is speaking to the prophets of the Old Testament. Um, again, the well being closed represents the Old Testament. The wells being open represents the New Testament. So in the relationship that will develop between Rachel and uh, Jacob, this happens after the opening of the well right, which is representative of the New Testament. But here, while uh, Jacob is having this conversation before he opens the well, right, he is speaking to those, like, in, like symbolically, like in the Old Testament, right? We read in, in Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, where it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, right? So, so it's um, God is speaking to the prophets. God is speaking to those who was uh, before uh, the, the coming of Christ, before the new covenant, okay? Also in Colossians 2.12, it says, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, okay? So he rolled the stone from the well just as Christ rolled the stone of his tomb in the resurrection. That's another symbolism symbol here of Jacob representing Christ that he opens the, the, the stone. He moves the stone, right? Just as Christ, when he resurrected, right? The stone was moved and he, um, he, he rose from the dead, okay? So then it says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and lift up, lifted up his voice and wept, okay? This kiss, again, to the symbolism that we're talking about, it represents like the, the practical love that Christ has for his people um, and, and that he offered to the world on the cross, like this is again the relationship between Christ and the church. So he's offering this kiss as a kiss of love, as a kiss of self-sacrifice for what is it that he has done to his people on the cross. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Okay. Um, so we see, you know, this, this reuniting of families, um, knowing that they are now, you know, kin, they are relatives of one another. 
uh, Laban is very hospitable. And it says that Jacob stayed with them for an entire month. And it was customary that um, a guest, any guest that would come uh, to stay with like a particular family, um, that they would be treated as a guest uh, for, for one month. And then after that time, um, essentially they would have to earn their keep. Like they would, they would now be considered as part of the family and would be expected to participate in like the daily responsibilities. So here um, uh, Laban essentially stayed for uh, a month, okay? And, and then now after the month, it says what? Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be? Okay, so so now he's saying, okay, um, you are going to be working. Okay, you're going to be doing something. You're staying with us. You are part of the family. You're going to be working, and then I will, um, I will, I will give you a wage. Okay, Laban is going to give Jacob a wage. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Okay, so um, you see, like, Jacob loved her so much that he was willing to work for seven years in order to have her as his wife. Um, it kind of, it, it says something like really, like uh, number one, it says how much someone can be very dedicated and committed to working and doing something that they really care about. Number two, it also says something about the sanctity of marriage. You know, like like in our modern time, any two people that like want to have, be in a relationship, want to live together, they just, they just do it. You know, like they just do it and, and it doesn't cost them anything. Like, like they, like there's no, there's no sense of, um, you know, of there's a certain way, there's a certain process, there's certain steps that need to be taken in order for us to be in such a relationship. You know, God commanded that, um, you know, that, the, that, that sex should be only between those who are married and that the, the, the marriage bed is sacred. And there's certain things that should be done. Like, you know, we have monogamous relationships, for instance, right? All of these things are according to God's plan for marriage. You, you see like um, Jacob here, seeing like that Rachel is someone that he wanted to be, to be married to, he was willing to wait for seven years for her, right? And to work for seven years for her. And he took this very seriously, all right? This is how much that he loved her. It also symbolically, uh, when you think about it from the spiritual perspective, how much Christ loves us and how much Christ worked and sacrificed and gave up to be betrothed to us, to be married to us because he loved us. Not because we deserved anything, Right? Not because we have done anything. Here, Rachel did not do anything to earn the love of Jacob, but simply he loved her. Right, And so he was willing to work for her. Um, then Jacob said to Laban, so after the seven years now is up, according to what Laban said. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. 
So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Okay, so Laban, after the seven years are up, and now it is their wedding, on the wedding night, um, Jacob gives uh, Leah to, uh, uh, Laban gives uh, Leah to Jacob instead of Rachel, okay? And, and it kind of reminds us of all the deceptions that Jacob has done. Like Jacob has deceived uh, his father Isaac into blessing him. And now we see that uh, Jacob is the one actually who's on the receiving end of the deception. Okay, he had been deceived. Um, it, it might sound strange to us that he might spend the night with this woman um, and not even realize that, that it is not Rachel until the morning. When it says, so it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. So actually at the time, the bride, when she would come into her, the bridegroom, she would be covering her face with a thick veil and it was dark, you know, it's like they didn't have electricity, like, like it was very dark. So it was easy for him to be kind of deceived by this until he realized in the morning who it, who it really was. Okay. So when he found out that it wasn't Rachel, he was obviously upset and he went to Laban and said, why have you deceived me? I, you know that I, that I serve for and work for Rachel. Why have you done this to me? Okay. And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Okay. Let me ask you, what do you think about this? When it says, uh, fulfill her week, what do you think he's, he means there where he says, fulfill her week? Anybody? Okay. Um, so it was customary that whenever there was a wedding, okay, that like the festivities of the wedding would last like a week. Okay. So essentially, the first thing is Laban is saying what, according to our custom, the younger daughter should not get married before the older daughter. The older daughter should get married first. Okay, and this is actually a custom that some of like in Eastern in the Middle East, some of these cultures, they still have this um, where they feel like it's more appropriate for the older the older daughter to get married before the younger daughter. Okay, um, so that was his reasoning as to why he want he gave Leah to Jacob. Now, of course, he didn't tell him this, nor was he open or honest or transparent about any of this. Right. So he deceived him. And then so when he says fulfill her week, essentially, he's saying. Um, I will give you uh, Rachel as well, okay? But uh, let's wait until the week-long wedding festivities with Leah is over, okay? And then I will give Rachel to you, but you have to work for me another seven years. So he doesn't have to wait seven years for Rachel, okay? He will, he will, he will be able to, to marry her now, okay? But he will have to be kind of obliged to remain with him for another, another seven years for that, okay? <clears throat> so then it says, then Jacob, uh, Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, Leah's week, 
So he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Okay? So it's like Leah, she was the older. She was not his first choice. He didn't really want her. Um, and God had, like, mercy on her because, um, because she wasn't his first choice. That by her, he, he was able to have children first through Leah. Okay? So it's like he's, God is compensating Leah for kind of being, like, second class in the eyes of Jacob. Okay? Whereas Rachel, the one whom he loved the most, she was barren and she wasn't able to conceive. Okay? Again, there is a spiritual meaning here between Leah and Rachel. Okay? Leah, who was the first wife, okay, uh, she represents the Jews in the sense that the Jews in the Old Testament, they were the first people of God. They were the chosen people of God from the beginning. Okay, so they were like the first ones to have the relationship with God, just like Leah was the first wife of Jacob. And so Rachel, the one who came afterward, okay, she represents the Gentiles because she was the second, right? She's the one who came after, okay? Um, so um, um, Jacob, okay, uh, who had this first relationship, right, bore fruit at this point still, bore fruit with the uh, with the Jews, meaning at this point, like the relationship with Rachel, having children and bearing fruit through Rachel hadn't happened yet, okay? So, so this is like historically looking at the period of time in the Old Testament. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son. And now I will praise the and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Okay, so she, uh, Leah will eventually have four children. Um, right now, she had the first, uh, will have six children, sorry, she'll have six children. Right now, she has had the first four of those six children, okay? And at this point, um, uh, Rachel had not yet conceived at all. It was only Leah who was conceiving. And now this was going to cause some kind of a tension between Leah and Rachel. There was already tension between Leah and Rachel. I mean, they are sisters, number one. Number two, they both got married to Jacob at essentially the same time. And so there's like a competition between them. Um, Leah feels that uh, Jacob loves Rachel more. Okay. Uh, and now Leah is the one who is uh, giving birth, whereas Rachel is not. So there is like a lot of tension here and competition of what's going on. Okay. <laughs> so we continue in, um, in chapter 30. Okay. Um, so it says, now when Rachel saw she born uh, Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. So in the Old Testament, 
bearing children, especially male children, was considered like by the women to be like a sign of the favor of God and the love of their husband. Like, like their, their husbands would love them when they would bear children and that God is showing favor to them when they would bear children. And so someone who was barren um, was actually interpreted at the time in the Old Testament as being like a curse. Like God was cursing them because of something they had done. That was that was how it was interpreted. That wasn't the case, but that, that was how it was um, interpreted. And so here Rachel is feeling this pressure of, have, of, of wanting to have children. And she's like going to Jacob and she's saying, give me children. Of course, um, you know, it's clear that Jacob is able to have, you know, is able to reproduce um, because he's able to do so with Leah, right? Um, so it's it's clear here that Rachel is the one who is barren. Rachel is the one who cannot have children. And so yet she's coming to her husband, Jacob, and she was saying like, give me children as though like it's within his power to do so, okay? And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, here is my maid Bilha. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. This is the exact same scenario that happened with Abraham and Sarah. When Sarah was not able to have children, she told Abraham, go to my maid Hagar and have children with her. And then she would consider that because it is her maid, that as though this child or these children to be born of her are her own children. Okay. So here also, Rachel is like, well, if I can't bear children, the next best thing is for me to give the maid, my maid, to my husband, Jacob, and he will bear children with her. And then I will consider these to be my children and I will raise them. Okay. So this was like her, her backup plan. Like there wasn't anything else she could do. So this is what she thought to do. Then she gave him Bilha, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her and Bilha conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. And indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Naphtali means my wrestling. So it's like a wrestling. And Dan, the first one, uh, means he has judged me. Like he has, like God has judged me favorably for giving me a son. Um, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, his wife. So now Leah, who already had four children, four male children, right, from Jacob, now he's, now she sees that Jacob is, is, is bearing with Rachel, and she now is jealous, right? So she said, okay, well, now I also have a maid, Zilpah, and so I can give him my maid, and now he can have more children uh, that way, right? So you can see it's very much um, a competition. Um, and Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. So he called his name Gad. Gad means um, like fortune or, or luck. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Asher means blessed or happy. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field. So Reuben, remember, he was the he was the first son. Okay, he was the first son that was born to Leah. Okay, uh, Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. 
Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she, but she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. Okay, so what is happening here? Mandrakes are like a plant. Um, it, it's a plant that has purple flowers and these large yellow berries. And at the time, they were believed to have like a, a power of increasing fertility. Okay, so Reuben had found some of these mandrake plants. Um, and so uh, Reuben is Leah's son. So Rachel went to Leah and she said, can I please have some of the mandrakes? Okay, for herself, because she wanted to use them to increase her fertility. Okay, um, so Leah responded and said, you have taken away my husband. Okay, would you take away the mandrakes also? So essentially Rachel negotiated and she said, okay, give me, give me the mandrakes and then Jacob can be with you, right, tonight, right? So it's like this negotiation, okay? When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Okay, Issachar means reward. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Zebulun means prince. You see, like she's she's doing all of this to earn Jacob's love, right? Because he says she says now now my husband will dwell with me. Like now my husband will love me because I have done all of these things. She feels unloved. She feels like she is the second wife. She is not able to 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 rise up to the level of Rachel, even though Rachel has borne him less children, and yet he still loves her more. And afterward, she bore a daughter, and and. Uh, called her name Dina. Dina means God has judged, like the Arabic word, for, Arabic word for judge, which is Deen, right? So Dina means God has judged. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Joseph means he will add, okay? And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. Okay, so after this period of time, remember um, uh, Jacob was still obliged to stay with Laban, his uh, his um, his. Uh, uncle right for what for seven years and so all this that we've just read of him bearing these children and the competition between his wives all of this was what was happening during the seven-year period where he was still obliged to remain with Laban and to work at this point they've had 11 boys okay and one girl okay so we know that Jacob is eventually going to have 12 children right the 12 tribes of Israel uh, the remaining child, the remaining boy that was to be born is Benjamin, the youngest. He hasn't yet been born, okay? So he will be born later. So at this point, there's 11 males and one female, at least of what's been mentioned, okay? So 
Jacob now feels like, okay, that my seven years are, are up. I've amassed for myself now a large family. I have, you know, wages that he's been being paid. He has possessions of his own. And he is ready now to return back home to his family, right? Because all of this period of time, he's now been here for 14 years, right? And, he, you know, he originally came here to flee from his brother. So it feels now it's time for me to return um, and to, to continue my life in my own land there, okay? Um, so he's saying to Laban here, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service, which I have done for you, okay? And Laban uh, said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give. So Laban feels that Jacob has been a source of blessing for him. He has been living there for 14 years with him and Laban ex experienced and feels that there has been a great blessing in his own possessions because of the presence of Jacob and because Jacob has been working for him and, 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 and increasing his own livestock and, and, and his own um, possessions and so on. So he feels like he doesn't want Jacob to go. So essentially he says what the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Like I have received blessing from God because of you. Name your wages. Tell me whatever it is that you want and I will give it to you. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? Right? When am I going to be independent? You know, I'm now grown to the size where I can be independent to have my own house. I don't need to live under your uh, house anymore. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. So Laban is having this negotiation, okay? And he's speaking to Jacob and he's saying, what should I give you so that you stay? So Jacob's response was, okay, I'm willing to stay, um, but here are my terms, okay? If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed your flock. So what is it that he's going to say? He says, let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. Okay. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. Okay, so what is he saying? Okay, so Jacob, who is a very crafty and cunning person, okay, he is, um, he has he has come up with a plan, okay, in order to essentially make himself wealthy more than he was. Um, so this is what he said. He said, I will go through all of the sheep that you have and I will take for myself essentially all the sheep that are abnormal in some way, right? Um, all the ones that are brown, all the ones that have spots and speckles and stripes and, you know, the, the ones that you normally think of as sheep as just being like white sheep, right? Those ones I'll keep for you. All the ones that are rare, 
all the ones that, you know, don't, you know, have some kind of a blemish on them or whatever, then those are the ones that I will take for myself. Okay. And then if you were to come and to see my flock, if you find any among my flock that is not speckled or spotted, then you will know that this has been stolen because it is not my right to have those. The only ones that I will take are the ones that have some kind of spot or speckled or something like that. Okay. So from the perspective of Laban, okay, this seems like a good deal to him because this was a very small percentage of the total. So essentially Laban is saying, or uh, Jacob is saying, give me a very small percentage of the sheep and I will agree to stay with you. Okay. <clears throat> and Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. Okay. So Laban likes the idea. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that has some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Okay, so um, Laban separated, did this separation. Okay, he separated the sheep and the goats that were to be Jacob's, and he separate, separated them a three days journey away from the ones that are his own. So this is to avoid like interbreeding um, and intermixing between the sheep that is now considered to be Jacob's sheep and, and goats and the ones that are to be Laban's, okay? So the, thus, according to Jacob's own agreement, um, Jacob agreed to continue to feed the rest of Laban's flocks. He's continuing to work for Laban, okay? But now he has the speckled uh, sheep. Now, this part is where uh, it's it's uh, very interesting, um, and different people have different opinions about what this means, okay? So to, like, pay attention to this part. Okay, so now it says what? Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips of them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. Okay, so he's taking these plants, right, and these trees, and he's taking like strips of these um, plants, okay? And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters. So the gutters is like the watering troughs where the sheeps would go to drink, okay? Um, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. Okay? So um, when it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Okay, so Jacob had this idea that he was going to artificially engineer which uh, of the sheep were going to be spe uh, speckled and spotted, right? Because they already had an agreement that everyone that was speckled and spotted was to be Jacob's, okay? 
and Jacob was responsible for feeding the flock of Laban. So he had complete control over how the, his sheep were, were fed. So Jacob got this idea that he was going to get these plants, okay? And he was going to like peel strips of these plants and put them in the water that the, the sheep were drinking. And he would wait until the strong sheep, the healthy sheep came to drink. And he would put this, these plants, okay, in the water. And when the, and when the sheep were feeble, when they were not strong, he would not put the plants, okay? And his belief was, is that by putting these plants in the water gutters, that this would cause the sheep to, when they reproduce, to reproduce as speckled and spotted, right? So, so through this, he is trying to create um, like a bunch more sheep that would then be considered his own, right? Um, because they have an agreement that all the speckled and spotted are his. Um, so we don't like, like there's no known understanding of why uh, doing that would cause the sheep to be speckled and spotted. Like there's no, there's like, there's no science or anything about how doing that would do that. But there is some um, related to these specific plants. Actually, somebody had then, then like conducted this study about how these specific plants affect sheep, okay? Um, and while there isn't anything about like the offspring having speckles, uh, uh, like being speckled or spotted, there is some about like how these plants could promote the health and strength of sheep. Okay. Um, and so I'm just going to read a little bit from what I found about this. So when it comes to the poplar plant, this is a quote from like the study. It says, it has also been proposed that willow and poplar trees provide forage for livestock of moderate nutritive, uh, uh, nutritive value nutritive value, feeding of willow leaves or trimmings to use during mating resulted in reduction of live weight loss and increase in reproduction rate. So the poplar, when given to these um, sheep during mated, mating, resulted in increased production, re reproductive rate. Okay, how, how did Jacob know that? Was this is something that, you know, shepherds had just knew because of their experience? Okay, but this was actually a study that was done uh, in modern times, and this was what was found, okay? Poplar supplementation increased ewe reproduction rate by approximately 20 and 30 units for the low and high treatment groups, respectively, compared to the control group. The increase in reproductive rate in supplemented use was due to increases in both conception rate and fecundity, with a high proportion of pregnant ewes and high proportion of multiple pregnancies in the supplemented groups, okay? So it would increase the amount of pregnancy, okay? Um, and, and, and they would just have more offspring. What about the almond? Because you said also about almond. Sweet almond is very effective, effective in, vesicle, uh, in vesicle ulcer, as well as in renal and vesicle kidney and bladder stones. Hence, it helps re, uh, re relieve uh, dysuria, nephralgia, burning mctruition, uh, all painful urinary tract infections, and urinary tension. So essentially, it actually helps a lot of like the common ailments that would be affecting the sheep um, at the time, kind of like a medication, okay? Um, Yemenite Jews used almonds externally to treat hemorrhages and internally to treat kidney stones, spleen, sore throat, and cough. 
Traditional medicine among the Jews of Iraq makes extensive use of the almond tree and its products to treat eye diseases, dysentery, and earache, to relieve birth pangs, and to increase mother's milk. Okay. And then the last one that was mentioned is chestnut. Um, the plain leaves commonly known in Iran as uh, bard chinar have been used in concentrated aromatic liquids, herbal remedies, and Iranian traditional medicine to treat several disorders. They are used in Iranian folk and traditional medicines for treatment of some dermatological, gastrointestinal, aromatic, and inflammatory diseases. So the bottom line is these specific plants were helpful and beneficial for the, for the sheep to increase reproduction and to make sure that they're healthy. So Jacob's plan was to, again, to, to create more sheep that would then be considered his own um, by, by uh, selectively choosing the sheep that would be the strongest and, and promoting their reproduction um, in this way. Um, and so it says what in verse 43, thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys, right? So he grew. Um, and this also kind of reminds us of Abraham that at the time, um, the, the peoples that were living there in the region, like uh, Abimelech, for instance, he said to Abraham, you have grown more prosperous than us. Like we can't live with you. We can't have you on our same land um, because you are actually more stronger, like stronger and, and, and more, more plentiful and more um, wealthy than, than us. And so they asked them to, to leave that area, right? And so the same thing here is happening. Like God is blessing Jacob. And, and when you really look at this situation here with how is it that this happened, um, there has to have been some, you know, God's intervention in this. Um, how is it that putting those plants in the water is going to cause those sheep to be speckled and spotted? You know, we don't know. But somehow God worked with Jacob's plan so that it would multiply the sheep in this way. And he became exceedingly prosperous. And this was going to be kind of like what is going to um, allow uh, him to leave Laban um, and to return back again to Canaan. Okay. So in, in these two chapters, we see how God was working with Jacob from the time that he uh, escaped from his brother Esau to the time where now he is getting ready after the 14 years of being there in Haran. He, he gets married. He um, works and, and kind of becomes uh, prosperous. And now he's able to return again. This is the way that God worked with the Israelites in many ways and in, in, like in, in, in many situations. Like, for instance, um, uh, later on in Genesis, okay, toward the end of Genesis, when there is a famine, okay, and Jacob and his sons and all their families, they go into uh, Egypt uh, when Joseph is there and has a high rank in Egypt and he is offering them uh, like protection and food in Egypt. When they entered, right, they entered like about 70 people, right, only 70. And yet it was in Egypt that they grew and multiplied because they were able to eat from the land. They were protected in the land. They were given like, uh, like uh, you know, everything that they needed. They were given like a whole special region in Egypt to live in. Um, and so that's why uh, a few hundred years later, like 400 years later, during the time of, of Moses, you see that, that that people had grown from 70 to a million, right? So, so here God is kind of waiting. Remember, um, God had given this covenant to Abraham, and yet the covenant had not yet been fulfilled. 
We don't see the covenant fulfilled in the life of Abraham. We don't see it fulfilled in the life of Isaac, right? And now in the life of Jacob, we still don't see it fulfilled. By the end of Jacob's life, like I said, when Jacob dies, okay, um, he dies when there was only about 70. He only has about 70 people. Far, far, long, you know, you know, nothing close to the promise that God had made of being, you know, descendants more than the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky. But it is this um, that is then going to start um, multiplying the, the Israelites, multiplying the Hebrews to where they will become a mighty nation. And then when they do come out of Egypt, then they will be a nation of, uh, on their own. So here we see like the very beginnings of how God is working um, with Jacob and, and with you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to prepare the way for this. Yeah. Um, let me finish a little bit early today. Um, just conclude in a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, God, for this day and for all the blessings you give us. We ask, oh God, that you teach us important lessons through your word to learn, oh Lord, from the life of Jacob of how you are preparing the way for us to do great things uh, in the future. We thank you, O oh Lord, for every moment of our lives. We thank you, O oh God, for every struggle and hardships that we endure for the sake of our growth and for the sake of us to see you and to rely on you more. We ask for your blessing. We ask, O oh God, that you grant us joy, not because of the situations and the circumstances of the world, but because you are with us and promise, O oh Lord, to protect and guard us for the rest of our lives. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a good night. God bless you.